Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. A heads up, there is some profanity and derogatory slurs in this episode. When I turned 11, I found out my initials spelled rage, and I was thrilled. I was like, wow, rage. Rajni Alexander Gibson Eddins. Now I've gotten older, and I see even more relevance to that. It's like how I, I'm able to harness this rage and put it into a space where it doesn't make me sick, but I can still, like, raise the dead. Rage, embodied, appears a lot more mild-mannered than you might expect. A 40-something-year-old man with a salt-and-pepper beard, big square-rimmed glasses, a faded black no-justice-no-peace hoodie, and a winter hat with one of those flashlights already attached to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, my mom got me this. So I've been keeping it close as the weather changes. (laughs) I can navigate the darkness. (laughs) Navigating the darkness, metaphorically speaking, and trying to illuminate it is Rajni's life's work. He describes himself as a poet, as an artist, as an MC, as an educator, a facilitator, uh, organizer. When you listen to Rajni talk, he's full of optimism and empathy. He's calm, doesn't want to be drawn into anger. So where does he live up to his initials? In his poems. These people come from low-income housing Underprivileged and uneducated, in dysfunctional surroundings such as these, many times their hygiene suffers. These niggas is dirty. Downright vile and mean and stupid as a block of wood. Wood. I wish a peck of wood would come down my block. I'd pop him with a Glock for stomping where he should not have been and cut off his oxygen. Rajni Eddins reading his poetry for Jane Lindholm. And this is Homegoings from Brave Little State. I'm Myra Flynn. You might remember this series from last spring. Around the time of the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, BLS agreed that elevating Black voices, stories, and experiences seemed most important. So we began sharing intimate conversations with Vermont musicians of color and ended each episode taking a deep listen to one of their songs. We made four episodes in that original series, and then we moved on. But something about ending it didn't feel quite right. What about all the other times when we are just here, being, not reeling directly from a national murder or put so severely under the spotlight of a reckoning shortly thereafter? I say us because I'm Black, and I have to imagine Vermont still wants to hear from us, right? But if this racial reckoning needs to involve more than just BIPOC, so does this series. I told the VPR newsroom that I felt the ultimate success of Homegoings would show when a white reporter decided to try on an episode and kind of allow me to pass the baton to them. And Jane said... Yes. Thanks, Jane. 
So today, Jane Lindholm talks to Rajni Eddins. And consider yourself warned, some of the language in Rajni's poetry is not for the faint of heart. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. Myra, it's with some fear and immense appreciation that I pick up this homegoings baton. I agree, this kind of conversation needs to continue. We need to hear the voices of artists of color all the time, not just when national news forces microphones into BIPOC faces. And white people have to be listening to and having conversations about race, racism, creativity, and your four pillars, rage, joy, grief, and healing, too. Hmm. I agree, Jane. You said fear. Why did you fear this assignment? (laughs) Well, Myra, you were infused into every beat of those first four episodes. You are a woman of color in Vermont, and you're a musician. I am neither of those things. (laughs) Well, that's all right. I don't think you have to be either of those things to do this work, to show up as an ally, to want to just be a part of these intimate conversations with folks of color. Um, it can also kind of be tough when you're the person of color always having to have those conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually, I think, is a, a beautiful thing. And I'm just so happy you're here. Oh, thanks, Myra. I'm really glad to be here, too. So let's get into this episode, Jane. Tell us a little bit about who we're hearing from today. Well, we're switching things up in more than one way today, Myra. Rather than talk to a musician, we're talking with spoken word artist Rajni Eddins. Or, as we heard earlier, Rajni Alexander Gibson Eddins. Initials, rage. Well, we skin that there nigga alive. That'll teach him to look at a white guy. The suspect is black. In his midlife to early living. If you see this man, please do not hesitate to avoid or avert eye contact at all costs. Clutch your purse and our pocketbook and cross the street. We repeat, this man is armed with consciousness. Warning, he may appear as a poet. As you can hear, Rajni's rage isn't simmering in his poetry. It's boiling over. Now, his poetry is very clear and very direct. There's no missing the message. But when Rajni talks, you have to sort of swim through his sentences. You can start to feel a little adrift. I had to figure out how to navigate those experiences in a way that I could alchemize them into greater fruit in my art. And this as a way of personal catharsis for me. And as Sometimes you have to play back his last phrase in your head, rolling over each word more slowly to figure out how it connected to the previous one and exactly what they all meant put together. And then you have to hurry to catch up with what you missed while you were thinking and he was still talking. He's lyrical, prosaic, magniloquent at times. He doesn't just write poems. Rajni is a poem. 
I guess it makes sense that Rajni's rage and joy and everything else are sort of blended together when he talks, because that's also how he lives. And isn't that how we've all been living over the past few years? Negotiating rage and joy as we deal with COVID, election cycles, Supreme Court hearings and cases, climate change negotiations, and oh yeah, that giant racial reckoning. And isn't that what activists often try to do anyway? Find the optimism, the light at the end of the tunnel, while also fighting tremendous negative forces? Finding that light is crucial. If there's no joy now, and no sign of joy at the end of the struggle, what's the point? So Rajni elevates and fights, rages and hugs. It must be exhausting. As we sit down to talk over Zoom in early December, Rajni's at his home on Willard Street in Burlington, surrounded by plants and traffic, as he puts it, in a home he shares with his mother. You and your mom have a really close bond, don't you? Always have, definitely. I was her only uh, belly son. She said she was a foster parent over 70 children and I'm the founder of the African American Writers Alliance, so she's worn a lot of hats and definitely did some crucial um, exemplifying of heroism and community building when I was young. What does it look like when your mom wants to put you in your place? Uh, you know, she might say my middle name, Xander. I'm like, okay, this is another different. It's <laughs> <laughs> another echelon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. Rajni grew up with his mom on the West Coast, mostly in Seattle, Washington. By the age of 11, he was performing as part of the Writers' Alliance his mother started. He moved to Vermont more than a decade ago now. For a while, he worked in the Burlington school system. And now he works independently, focused on art and activism. Do you identify as a Vermonter? Uh, not quite. You know, I feel like there's this kind of lay of the land with Vermont where even the people who have been here for a number of years are still considered like the flatlanders or some people who are outside. Uh, unless you have like multiple generations in the community or, you know, you go back to Ethan Allen status. So, but I, you know, my daughter's born here, so I, ha- I do have ties here and to have connections in the community. It's probably also a little complicated to want to call yourself a Vermonter when you've dealt with what Rajni has experienced. Uh, well, I've dealt with a lot of racism and um, attempts to harm me, harm my family, harm my reputation. I think uh, impartial uh, uh, response as uh, a way of addressing the insecurity of, of people speaking candidly about race. Um, of maybe an unspoken expectation that um, black people, indigenous people, people of global majority uh, should subscribe to this kind of unwritten social contract in terms of making sure to make white people feel comfortable and to not necessarily reveal our experiences as candidly. Some people who are uncomfortable with that, acknowledging that that reality exists alongside their own reality. I think I've, I've because I do remain candid in my art and in my honesty and just general dialogue, I think that had taken some folks aback. So as a result, I, re- I received some um, less than humane treatment. 
Do you think the inhumanity directed at you and the racism is because you're speaking out or just because you're dark-skinned in a white-skinned state? Yeah, there's a, there can be costs to pay associated with being candid about your experience. People tend to be a lot more comfortable if you just say, yeah, I love Vermont. You know, it's a beautiful place and, you know, you just leave it at that. In 2019, Rajni left his job as a paraeducator in the Burlington school system. Since then, he's been working on finding ways for his art and activism to sustain him both spiritually and financially. When you when you can choose to do what you love and, and you don't have to clock in, you know, you don't have to say, okay, I need to be here by this time because I have to complete this certain item for this employer, you know. It's just a, I mean, it's a really liberating feeling. You know, I will say that not all of experiences of black people are traumatic. You know, we have to focus on the the beauty, the joy, the, the full range of human emotion and experience for black people. And there's ways that that's done just amongst ourselves as, as human beings and ways that that's done in different spaces and ways in community. Did you hear that pivot right there? We're talking about racism and him leaving his job, and then right in the middle, he turns to that statement about trauma and the potential voyeuristic quality of a white reporter focusing on the Black experience. Before I called up Rajni, I had been thinking about that. Myra framed those first four episodes of Homegoings with the idea of four pillars of Black experience, rage, grief, joy, and healing. And I want to do the same in my conversation with Rajni, not just focus on trauma, but also not not focus on trauma. I want to explore how interwoven all those feelings of grief, joy, healing, and rage are. But it's different for a white reporter to ask those questions of a black artist than it is for a black artist to ask another black artist. There's a shared experience in the latter and a potential for mistrust in the former. So it's interesting to hear Rajni talk about joy and liberation, and then almost as if it's in response to a question I didn't ask, but one that's hanging in the air, remind me that not all experiences of Black people are traumatic. But then again, it's at this point he brings up his book, Their Names Are Mine. Self-published in 2019, he uses the word irate to describe its tone. To intentionally... um provoke an emotional response, to sensitize people to the inhumanity that black people have been experiencing since the advent of this country and in different um, forms throughout the world. I ask Rajni to share a poem from Their Names Are Mine, and together we choose one called Charlena Lyles and Her Daughters Will Turn Into Wolves. Charlena Lyles was a mother of four who lived in Seattle, where Rajni grew up. In 2017, she was pregnant subjected to domestic violence, and struggling with mental illness when she called police to report a burglary at her home. Upon responding, the police shot and killed her. In early December of this year, the city of Seattle settled a wrongful death suit brought by her relatives. The city will have to pay more than $3 million and dismiss the two initial responding officers. It just illustrates, you know, that America is still the same practitioner of... uh, of violence and 
so I, I use this piece just to speak more candidly to uh, the need to have a an extreme uh, radicalization in terms of humanizing um, people, and particularly white people, people of European descent, who are so often taught consciously and subconsciously to assume their inherent superiority as human beings due to the uh, tremendous dissemination of information and literature and media that reflects them as some type of human ideal. An extreme radicalization in terms of humanizing people. Part of that radical humanizing means hitting you in the face with the words. Just a heads up, this poem contains derogatory slurs. Charlena Lyles and her daughters will turn into wolves. Charlena Lyles and her daughters will turn into wolves. The moon will howl back and the sun will be your undoing. Emmett Till will come back as Elephant Man. He will whistle lasciviously at white women in broad daylight and no harm will come to him. Sandra Bland will stand around your bed, staring hungrily. Her gaze will change your heart to stone, or if already stone, then the rest of you. Jordan Davis will return. You will meet him in the gas station parking lot in your dreams. He will have just purchased cigarettes and a pack of gum, and oh yes, his music will be playing very loudly. Yes, it appears we are monsters. Demons with terrible resilience and incredible strength. We are coming for your children. No handcuffs, tasers, or futuristic weaponry will thwart your doom. We are rock and roll, hip-hop, R&B, gyrating colorfully through your black and white TV screens. It's too late. Michael Jackson already made Thriller. The wretched Negro demon rapists are dancing with your daughters. We have already soiled the White House. It's brown now, like the earth our clawed hands clambered out of. We have the dark, dignified audacity to breathe the white man's air, unapologetically. To look a white lady right in the eye, unfazed. To not stand for the hypocritical bullshit of white supremacy. Yes, the monsters are loose. We are claiming our lives matter more than just on Halloween. The next time you wear a Native American costume, you will be scalped and hung by the flag you hold so dear. The next time you wear black face, tap dancing in layers of burnt cork and grease to mock our monstrous plight, it will become permanent and none of your lily white loved ones will recognize you. You will be burned at the stake like only a true nigger or a faggot could be. You will taste the human tears, the blood behind these razor sharp teeth. And suddenly the world will morph and you will truly see the monsters at the dinner table, in your classroom, and right beside you as you lay down to sleep. Their red glowing eyes will surround you for knowing, for simply knowing that we are and have always been human. That poem, it just vibrates. It howls. It hurts. It's full of such power. 
but there's also a sharp-toothed joy in reclaiming a sense of self, in eviscerating the monsters who took that sense of self in the first place. Many of Rajni's poems in Their Names Are Mine quiver with the same energy. More powerful words from Rajni when we come back. Welcome back to Homegoings, a series from Brave Little State where we talk with artists of color and take a deep listen to a piece of their work. I'm Jane Lindholm, and today we're chatting with poet Rajni Eddins of Burlington. Rajni says of himself that he moves through the world with courageous vulnerability. But when I ask him about that, it seems like he's still careful to protect himself. You know, I try to find ways daily to address my own self-care and, and balance and um, sustenance in terms of nourishing my mind and nourishing my spirit. So when I leave my house, I'm already in a space. So if I, if anything changes, I'm, I'm just brought down to the ground level, <laughs> not subterranean. I don't know. Maybe the way to avoid feeling psychically damaged is to keep that courageous vulnerability covered by psychological armor. The wisdom in recognizing who you're dealing with is in, uh, can be an inoculating force. Like, I, I, I wasn't raised here, so I, I can't be psychically damaged by this place because I was already secured before I came here. My thing is to be consistently open and generative and welcoming to bring more folks into the fold so they can have that experience. And people who just offhand reject it, well, they miss out on an opportunity. That live and let live kind of sentiment, the idea that if you aren't receptive to the message, that's okay seems so at odds with the vehemence of Rajni's poetry. But in speaking, he is adamant that empathy and calling in are the way forward. I've come to picture Rajni as the center of a tug of war, or maybe more like the referee trying to break up a fight. He tries to straddle the middle to bring white people closer to reality while protecting black people from harm. But being in the middle isn't neutral, and you're just as likely, maybe more likely, to get punched when the fists start to fly. So Rajni tries to arm himself while also being vulnerable. He expresses joy while also feeling rage, so many feelings moving underneath his smooth verbal surface. And when you try to pull on one thread, Rajni bristles, because it's never as simple as pure rage, pure joy, pure healing— it's complicated. He's complicated. As black people in America, we can all, all, often become typecast and say, oh, that, what type of poet are you? Oh, you're the poet who does that type of poetry. Are your poetry, you do black poetry, as if words have different colors or something. But it's like, no, it's, it's, it's all expression. And it's, you know, I don't really disconnect me being a poet from me being a black poet, from me being an artist, from me being a black artist, or being a black man, or black... All those things are intersectional, and I don't have to <laughs> divide them up to, to, to play one at a time. 
That's the multifaceted and challenging and joyful and utterly exhausting experience of being Black in America. I mean, not that I can speak from experience. But if Rajni's right, we all have to find that radical vulnerability, radical humanization, radical empathy. So that's where I'm trying to speak from. But we can't just end there. What about that complicated and complex joy? Remember the light at the end of the tunnel? Rajni's working on a new collection, and it's different from his first book. As far as uh, tone and, and subject matter, it has a more expansive approach. So I, I speak to, you know, childhood. I speak to um, particularly the conversation between Black people loving themselves and, and loving each other. I speak to magic and things that haunt people. I, I speak to nature. And in this new collection, Rajni's not playing to a white audience. I mean, white folks are welcome to listen. But it's like this. Those four pillars, rage, joy, grief, and healing, and maybe a fifth, as Rajni says, faith is another pillar for him. They make the frame of Rajni's metaphorical house. And everyone is welcome to come inside. But of course, there's some people who already have access to the inner rooms because they've been there before. <laughs> so for those of us who can come upstairs, come on up and everybody else enjoy the house. <laughs> so pull up a chair, settle in and listen to Rajni Eddins with beautiful sun-kissed people and a soundtrack composed by Myra Flynn. Beautiful sun-kissed people, walking miracles, unfolding parables, ancient scrolls and ocean's throes, love be a rose adorning your ears. This morning will not bring morning nor a thorn in tears. This forever moment is shorn of fears. Beautiful sun-kissed people, we are on the cusp of overthrowing overseers, light years beyond heckles and jeers. No more tanning our hides while Dr. Jekyll steers. This love is sheer, transparent and near, as dear as your closest relative here. Beautiful sun-kissed people, no conversation on us being equal. Just entertaining the thought is evil. We weave full, fully woven, lost and found, traded and stolen, but look what the eye beholding. Beautiful sun-kissed people, Golden, black and free and ebony, mahogany and mocha bee, chocolate hagen dazs can't see. Rivers running melanin, shallow men be monitoring, but most high got it all intents and purposes and sovereign skin. Watches this here poem ascends, journeying and frolicking. Summer breeze is talking with the autumn wind, how winter just won't break our stride. Too much spring in step for us to hide, our victory is justified. Beautiful sun kissed people. Solarized with older ties, our currency ain't tokenized. We close to those focused and wise, whose feet arise on open skies. We, white supremacy eulogizing, blessed ministry new horizon, and desperate attempts at euphemizing our brilliance with futile lies still will never neutralize. Too many youth been euthanized, fed sweet as prey to tooth decay. But truthfully, our rootful way has truth to say, adorns the night, salutes the day, and beauty that the stars obey. Beautiful sun-kissed people, I relate to you so musically, 
and oh, the joy it brings, like Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise High as the listening skies Let it resound loud as the rolling sea Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us Facing the rising sun of our new day begun Let us march on till victory is won Let earth and heaven ring in sacred oath Cause after all we are betrothed To wondrous wonders of untold Great grand good fortune that broke the mold Can't buy us off with moldy bread We've more than crumbs inside our heads And crusts just will not satisfy When banquets alone are ours divine We walk in gourmet grandma made Deliciousness in every shade Sun-kissed people Beautiful, blessed, bountiful, sun-kissed people I praise a path that plants our flag Squarely an earth of self-made basking A glorious newfound approach That predators cannot encroach That parasites and wayward folks At a mere glimpse will cough and choke See this radiance is brighter still Than every sun that lights a hill It calls from something deep within And pours from vocal cords and pen Beautiful sun-kissed people I'm nourished just to see you You furnish my living room with life-abundant killing gloom. You water every plant I have and flourish my gardens green and vast. Sing lullabies to my inner child and soothe all fears of foul defile. You spray me with your sense of grace and lovingly embrace my face. Say I am you and we are race that founded every human trace. Sun-kissed people, I wake with your poems on my tongue. In my chest I hear your drum. From my lips I hear you hum, it gets me high and drunk as rum. On you I am forever spun, your melanin I never shun. With you I am forever one, has there been better never one? Sun-kissed people, sun-kissed people. I bequeath these odes to you, your next of kin and children too. And their children's 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 view will yet still match your vibrant hue. You supernatural sorcery To walk in temples gorgeously Shaming cathedrals far and near Make a white Christ pale in the mirror Sun-kissed children, you are it Don't let nobody tell you shit Unless they fertilize in soil To grow a rose regal and royal To don a rose upon a rose Of red and black and green and gold So poetically bestowed It dignifies your inner throne Sun-kissed children, marvelous Miraculous magnificence, outlandishly so unabashed, unapologetic sass, ultra-magnetic blackness, the right goddess on your epitaph. That's blasphemy, surely, right? Cause we know true gods never die. Sun-kissed children, you kiss my eyes 
with all that sunshine you apply in. I say I am in love for true, cause you are me and I am you. From head to toe and all between, I love these princes, kings and queens. I even find you in my dreams, and when I wake I vow to breathe and breathe to vow, with every vowel and consonant I can pronounce. Announce to cosmos all your feats, build castles for your sweet retreats, goose feathered pillows, black satin sheets, a sacred lounge to rest your crown from all them wounds been crying out. Sun-kissed people have no doubt, you're all I am, what I'm about. Can't tell my story without your page, hell every chapter'd be erased. You sew my line so seamlessly, we vibe on higher frequency. So let's not love in secrecy. My sun-kissed people, you bees the key. Thanks for listening to Homegoings here on Brave Little State. And thanks to Jane Lindholm for introducing us to Rajni Eddins and for taking me up on my ask for allyship by way of our work. This is the work. If you want to take your time and read the three poems of Rajni's that you heard today, we've got Cup of Joe, Charlena Lyles, and Beautiful Sun-Kissed People up at our website, bravelittlestate.org. You can also see some beautiful graphics by our colleague Elodie Reed and re-listen to the rest of the series. And we would like to keep these homegoings going, just because. If there are any recommendations you might have for future interviews, get in touch with our team by writing to hello at bravelittlestate.org. In the meantime, we are going to keep answering your questions about Vermont, our region, and its people. We welcome questions of all sorts at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can vote on the question you want us to tackle next and sign up for the BLS newsletter. You can also say hi on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at BraveStateVT. Homegoings is a production of Vermont Public Radio, created by the Brave Little State team, Josh Crane, Angela Evansy, and me, with help from Elodie Reed. I produced and mixed this episode and composed all the music you heard today. If you liked what you've heard, please make a gift at bravelittlestate.org slash donate. I'm Myra Flynn. We'll be back soon with more people-powered storytelling. Until then, be brave. information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.